As I write more songs, I find it easier to take myself away from the song and become more of a, a narrator instead of like, you know, more of a third person instead of the first person narrative. You found Measured Voices, episode 24. I'm your host, Walt Huntsman. Ahead, I sit down with Jonathan Warren and Dave Sather-Smith of Jonathan Warren and the Billy Goats. Of course, we'll talk about the band's name. We'll also talk musical backgrounds, blending the polish of classically trained cello with the rawness of self-taught guitar, trying to write more happy songs, and songwriting as an organic experience. That and more next on Measured Voices. I want to start out with the name. Obviously, the Jonathan Warren part <laughs> is an obvious uh, part, but the, the Billy Goats, I mean, uh, I know you've talked about this, but, but why Billy Goats uh, and why goats? <laughs> uh, well, that animal definitely captures the vibe of the band, especially the, <laughs> the tour vibe. But uh, actually, the original bass player's name was Billy. And uh, <laughs> that's it, it kind of evolved from that. Uh, now... In, in trying to get ready for today uh, in, the, in our conversation, I, I was looking back through a lot of the press clippings that you've, you've got on your website. And when your second album came out in 2013, there was uh, a quote attributed to you describing the sound as progressive psychobilly folk grass. Yeah. And what exactly is that? And is that description still accurate for your music? I, um, you know, our, our music is a hodgepodge of different backgrounds. I, I'm completely untrained, uh, self-taught folk musician, uh, started as a bluegrass bass player. Dave is a classically trained cellist, has a degree in vocal performance. And then, yeah, so it is, it is kind of an amalgamation of all these different sounds. Um, but labels are a dangerous thing, man. <laughs> I can't be put into a box. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And I, and I actually had this question a little later, but since you brought up Dave and the cello, I'm going to ask Dave about uh, playing cello in a band like this. I mean, we, we, people who are familiar with cello tend to associate it with classical music and perhaps overproduced pop music uh, with, with, sure, a lot, sure. with a lot of orchestral sound. What is, uh, as someone who is classically trained, what is uh, the, the, I don't know, the, the draw to do, playing cello in a band like this and, and maybe the challenge of integrating what is typically thought of as a classical instrument? I guess the draw originally was more of uh, the people in the kind of rock scene, I guess, or the, the pop scene, I guess, are more my kind of people as opposed to the classical people. <laughs> um, so uh, I went to school and I did all that. Uh, but then I just, I don't know, I just, I, you know, I tried, I did a couple different things and I just, you know, I didn't really see myself fitting in there very well. So um, that was kind of the draw to the rock and roll side. And uh, I just kind of learned as I, as I played with people, you know, just learned how to kind of improvise, learned how to not, you know, have a piece of music in front of you every time you play. Um, and John needed a bass player, and so I learned how to play pretty much kind of bass lines on the cello and cover that side of the music. Is there, is there anything from that classical training that you were able to bring? Oh, absolutely, of course, yeah. No, I mean, technique for sure, um, you know, being able to, like, play in tune. Um, I studied Suzuki, which is a, an ear training as well. It's, a, it's really heavy on the ear training before you actually see a piece of music in front of you. Um, so that definitely helps a lot, having a really good ear. Um, definitely is key 
and and Jonathan, you you talked about being self-taught on the guitar, and and uh, in one maybe even the same article that I, that I came across, you talked about learning guitar chords from Mel Bay books. Oh yeah, um, still got what, that book. Uh, how how do you? Uh, I, I was going to ask you to talk maybe about the the blending of for a lack of a better way of putting it the 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 sort of polish that comes from being classical trained and 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 maybe the rawness from being self taught and blending that together to make your sound. Oh well, I mean, well yeah, Dave's influence has helped a lot. Uh, first and foremost, just like with the with the vocals, he's a like I said, he's a. <laughs> He has a degree in, in vocal performance, and he helped me with simple, with things like diction. Like I'm a songwriter, and people need to be able to understand what I'm saying. And yeah. Dave helps to punctuate some of those phrases that I kind of I leave a little ambiguous <laughs> at times for that folky vibe. But yeah, um, it it, get, it kind of gives it more of a legitimacy, you know, than just some street performer. On your Facebook page, you guys list a lot of different types of influences. I saw Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, Neil Young, Towns Van Sant, which kind of fit, you know, loosely into into one style of music. And then on the other end, you've got Blind Mel and the Doors, Led Zeppelin, Violent Violent Femmes. Uh, what kinds of things you, you list them as an influence? But what kind of things do you draw, or have you drawn from? from those people to listening to that uh the, the energy the the vibe and even just bringing up those bands kind of was like man i need to go listen to that blind melon album <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while but uh yeah um well just like the a lot of those bands just like the raw energy of their onstage performance and you know especially bands like violent films and uh before I mentioned blind melon they just yeah, I just put it out there on the stage, and I identify heavily with that. It's okay. emotion-driven music. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the word energy, so this seems like the perfect place to maybe give people at least a sense of, of some of that energy that they'll hear if uh, they come out and see you. Uh, can you tell us uh, what we're going to hear? Uh, this song's called Not the Only. One, two, three, four. Burning, burning all her dreams Just because I hurt you Girl, don't make me mean She's burning, burning all her dreams Just because I hurt you Girl, don't make me mean I'm tired of talking to nobody Waiting on someone to hear me Cause my pockets may lie empty But my consequences do not harm me Can't look too closely Your eyes they can't see You're not the only girl around despite what you think I am not lonely you're not the only girl around where we been here before I did 
been writing sad our stories And I've been wanting by the miles Wasting time trying to make you smile Can't look too closely Your eyes they can't see You're not the only girl around Despite what you think I am not lonely You're not the only girl around Burning, burning all her dreams Just because I hurt you Girl, don't make me mean She's burning, burning all her dreams Just because I hurt you Girl, don't make me mean She's burning, burning all her dreams Just because I hurt you Girl, don't make me mean She's burning, burning all her dreams Just because I hurt you Girl, don't make me mean Can't look too closely your eyes they can't see You're not the only Despite what you think I am not lonely You're not the only Can't look too closely Your eyes they can't see You're not the only Girl around Despite what you think I am not lonely You're not the only Girl around All right, very nice And I, I could hear sort of the, 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 the raw and the and the polish together, and they, they blend together really well. Now, I want to uh, talk, uh, we're, we're going to come up in time a little bit. In an interview when your album, uh, Bless My Soul, came out, you mentioned that those song, or a lot of those songs came as if uh, transmitted by a distant radio, <laughs> and you just wrote them down. Uh, and you mentioned that you heard one of the songs in a dream. Now, it sounds... it. In reading that, I kind of got the impression that songwriting for you is is or can be almost like an out of body experience. Uh, am I close, or is it? And is it fair to say that, uh, as a songwriter, that you feel the need to keep all senses open and tuned to sort of the forces of life uh, and nature that kind of surround you? Well, absolutely, and it's and it's those moments of, of stillness, and when I when I'm like out and backpacking and away from music actually is when a lot of my songs come, all these melodies surface. And um, I'd say more is just more of an organic experience than an out of, out of body okay. experience. Just it's always, it's always been very accessible to me to, to f just fall into that zone of, of creating songs and, and poetry. And it's kind of always just been there since, since I was a kid, just servicing in different ways and, 
Yeah, I was writing songs. I wrote a Christmas album when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. That I just sang into a tape recorder. And I decorated the front of the tape cassette with Santa Claus and a Christmas tree. And yeah, so I got, I got my first Christmas album out of the way. And <laughs> it just happened. It's like, well, of course I got to make a Christmas album. I'm, that's what I do. I'm in, I write songs. And you, you mentioned in that, in that interview that you identify more as a writer than perhaps as a performer. Did it take you a while to get comfortable sharing your songs with people other than and maybe friends and family or how? that that part's always been very easy for me getting putting the performance part on it's uh it's all the in-between stuff <laughs> it's tricky for me uh, uh, dave uh i want to ask you uh when a song what what do you how do you see your role in terms of uh, of of this of this whole process when when a song is is written uh, and and Jonathan has brought it to the band uh, do you write it all or or, or or yeah I write myself as well um, there's so, some of the songs on our not on this album our most recent but on the previous albums I have uh, I don't know at least a half a dozen songs um, but when John brings them to the band it's uh, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, as as a band member, we'll help with uh, structure of the song. Like he'll be like, "What do you think about this change right here?" We might suggest, "Oh, well, you could slow it down, or maybe we could, you know, put this chord in there." You know, pretty lyrically, he's always, you know, pretty set. He does all that himself, and when it comes to his songs, um, and then you know, I just kind of like add. I mean, he he might give a suggestion of what kind of bass, you know, bass line to play because he already has an idea in his mind. But yeah, so it's just kind of a collaboration on that point, you know. But for the most part, he has it fairly well put together when he brings it to the band, and so you're just kind of adding like little things and sure. making, you know. So the basic recipe is kind of there. And yeah, you just add some, yeah, pretty, some, yeah, some of the exactly. spices. Is it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, let's uh, talk about songwriting a little bit. How does a song typically start for you? Uh, are there are, and are, are there themes that you find yourself more drawn to when you write? Yeah, well, the, the heart, the heartache is an, is a comfortable <laughs> theme to write about. Um, at, trying to get away from that, trying to uh, write happier songs actually, and making a conscious decision to because I think some writers are addicted to that melancholy vibe, that melancholy feeling. Yeah, and it's. Uh, <laughs> And having to catch yourself, like, well, maybe don't put on the sad album on your way to work. Maybe put on, you know, there's there's little choices you can make to uh, to change that. But um, but I'm, I'm sorry, what was the what was well, the original question? Well, let me let me ask you this: how, how, you mentioned uh, trying to write more ha- you know, some more happier songs. How big of a challenge do you find that? Well, I mean, as I write more songs, I find it easier to take myself away from the song and become more of a, a narrator. Instead of like, you know, more of a third person instead of the first person narrative. And I find that opens up things as a songwriter. Then you're not trapped and like, oh, well, I got to write about me and my. You can, you know, you can tell a story and then you're a storyteller. You're not trapped in your own emotions. You can create stories outside of yourself. And when I first started writing songs, I depended heavily on my own experiences. And that's what I needed to write about. And yeah, and trying to expand from that and put, you know, draw from different characters and. Is is there a typical uh, I don't know approach that you take when you write or or um, your songs typically not necessarily out? and it's and it's become more refined. I've been I've been forced to teach songwriting classes where I got to put it in some sort of a box and yeah, can't tell them to just go dream some songs up and it, <laughs> it, it's, it's become a little more structured. Uh, whereas I I think more about parts of the song. I think more about a pre-chorus. 
I'll give more consideration to a bridge these days and st- stuff like that structurally where it just, it just yeah. That, that, that initial idea, does it, does, does it often start with a riff or, or do you often get a chord progression or, or, uh, or, or just decide, well, today I want to write about uh, a, a love relationship that went wrong or went right? Well, it depends. A lot of times when the lyrics come to me, they come with a melody. Mm-hmm. And so then the first part is trying to search out that melody and figure out. But a lot of times the lyrics come first. Um, so there's been moments when melodies come first and then I'm just pasting lyrics that I already have written out and it actually sounds like our, our writing styles are, are kind of similar except that you probably know more chords than I do right so that's my <laughs> that's my downfall what about the what about the new album uh, what what uh, changed or what's what's different both in terms of if anything in terms of the song content and and in terms of how that all came together for you well, again, I think it's just a natural maturation of the band, and uh, it's a new influence on this album from our banjo player, Steve Morningstar, and um, we have one of his, he brings more of a psychedelic <laughs> element. I was a, I'm a recovering hippie myself, and I, uh, big, my, some of my first live shows were fish shows, and I was heavily influenced by the jam band scene, and a lot of that music, a lot of those melodies, that style is still in my mind, and Steve is very much in the forefront of his mind, the psychedelic sound, and he kind of brings some of that element to this album. Uh, one of his songs, Follow, is I'm playing drums on that track, and we're just letting Steve loose. <laughs> I'm, I'm now trying to envision psychedelic cello. <laughs> <laughs> on that song, it was a wah pedal and a lot of like droney stuff underneath, so it's like... And I was like doing a wah, so I was like, well, why, why, why? It was pretty cool. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so it, it, it sounds like, at least in that section of the song, it almost could take, it took on almost a little bit of a hint of electronic. Oh, for uh, sure, yeah. Electronic music, almost. Because uh, you hear that a lot, especially with ambient music as well. You get a lot of that. Yeah, it's definitely very soundscapey. Uh, now, Jonathan, you you've mentioned that uh, a few occasions your your Appalachian upbringing, and you moved to Boise from Knoxville, Tennessee, if I remember correctly. Yep. Talk about how that upbringing flavors your music, and and then I got I got to ask from from Knoxville, how and why Boise? Well, you know, I wasn't necessarily brought up in the Appalachians as a military family, so we moved around a good bit. Um, born in Texas. Uh, moved, grew up outside of D.C. when I was 11, then moved to the South, moved to Georgia. And uh, and then after college, I settled in Knoxville area, and that's where I was thrust into the role of an upright bass player in a bluegrass band, simply because I was the worst guitarist in the room. <laughs> so I was like, well, <laughs> here we go. I'm the bass player. So, yeah, and it, was, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a deep, inherent Appalachian upbringing, really. It was... Um, kind of just forced to play it and then start to appreciate it and to be honest and some this may offend some people i don't really care for traditional bluegrass music like i'm not gonna probably sit at home and listen to hours of just traditional mm-hmm. bluegrass i like the I, I like other influences i like the, i appreciate americana music and the in in many aspects but yeah like i said i think the traditional bluegrass music can be a bit repetitive <laughs> it can be exhausting sometimes well talk about that that moving around uh you know with, with uh, georgia and dc and texas and tennessee and 
how did that flavor? You know, because obviously, uh, you know, even though there are a lot of national styles of music, lots of regions have their own sort of distinctive regional styles. Uh, how did those flavors kind of come together and 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 hitting hitting your music? I guess. Well, I mean, that's where the progressive psychobilly folkgrass amalgamation comes from. It's a uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what your influences are from. And one answer I like to give is my influence is every song I've ever heard, whether I liked it or not, is going to influence the way that you interpret and play music. And yeah, it certainly gave me a, a I got over my fear of traveling real quick as a, <laughs> as a kid. It gave me that traveling bug early. What about you, Dave? Are you from Boise or where, you, where did you originally come uh, from? I was born in Illinois. But I was like a year old. I moved to uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. I lived there okay. for outside of Jackson for 20 years. Went to high school and all that good stuff. Went back to Illinois for college, and then I moved out here to Boise so, 10 years ago. So, so you've also spent quite a bit of time in the South. And, yeah. And and you know some of the music is or can be somewhat distinctive down there. Did, how how did that flavor into? What you bring now to the band? Um, definitely, uh, you know, I had a I had a black nanny. You know, it's kind of funny to say that, but I did, and she had Dolores, <laughs> and uh, I would go to church with her. Um, so I definitely have that choral experience. And I, I mean, I went to a Methodist church too, as well with my mother, and she was like a you know the youth choral director um, uh, some of the time, and then we had other people as well. Um, so that choral aspect, that church choral aspect, definitely has a big influence on me. Um, you know, as, as well as, you know, blues and blues rock and roll, because that's like all you hear down there and all the, oh, yeah. you know, and all the clubs and everything. Um, so, I mean, I saw B.B. King. I was an usher for B.B. King. It was like one of the first concerts I went to at Thalamar Hall in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, oh. so. So I have that. But, you know, so I mean, like, and like John said, I mean, I lived down there for 20 years, so it influenced me. <laughs> well, so you've got, in, in, in some sense, it's almost like flip sides of the coin. You've got that, that, that black gospel experience and then the blues which are you know kind of come out of each other anyway right. it's the same neighborhood but different vibe right it's like a monday versus sunday <laughs> one's a nicer house maybe <laughs> yeah i spent some time in the south in louisiana so i i got to hear a lot of zydeco music i don't know if zydeco yeah Cajun, made it much right? in, yeah in, not, in, not as much as jackson yeah. but yeah very, they're, they're not that far apart they and are, yet but yeah they're, they're, very, you're right, yeah. very different for sure that's I'm loving talking about music, but I think we need to hear another song. Uh, what okay. should uh... Uh, this one's called "Decision"? This decision to pull myself through worn out and wishing you could come to I got this decision for me myself and I I'm worn out and wishing this was the last time My mission to find the light of day 
worn out and wishing there was another way. Got this decision for me, myself, and I. I'm worn out and wishing this was the last time. I may not make it through the night, but if you touch me, I just might. Please excuse me, girl. You know I wasn't raised right. decision to pull myself through worn out and wishing you could come to got this decision for me myself and I I'm worn out and wishing this was the last time fell across me, light fell across you, nothing between us, so I came to this decision, for me, myself, and I, I'm worn out and wishing this was the last time, I may not make it through the You talked, uh, or or several articles, reviews of various albums that you, that you guys have released over the years uh, talk about your music not being quite country, or folk, or alternative, or bluegrass. But I'm wondering what are the the benefits and the challenges of not fitting into a specific genre for you guys, or, or is that less of a problem now than maybe it would have been if you guys had come on the scene? 20 yeah, or so well, years ago. Well, yeah, I think a, a obvious benefit is the wide spectrum of the fans. It's the all ages and music appreciations can appreciate the, the Billy Goat album, I, I think. it's a, and, and we see it at our shows. We see young people dancing. We see older older folks dancing. Everybody enjoys it. 
and uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really see it as a challenge. Yeah, like you, like you mentioned these days, I, I think uh, labels are becoming less and less uh, meaningful as as everything just gets muddied and <laughs> turned into electronic <laughs> music anyway. And, well, what about the challenge? Because uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I don't know if you guys do, but I know a lot of musicians. They self-produce or they self-distribute their music, uh, and the challenge of having to be that that business businessman in addition to being the musician. Yeah, that that side of it is is certainly exhausting, and that's that's where the manager comes in. You know, theoretically, that's what he should be doing his part. And it, uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's a full time job. Uh, have have being a musician is staring at a computer screen and you know posting, posting, posting. <laughs> you know, it's uh, reading emails and just constantly being vigilant on that side of it. And that's yeah, where the manager helps out a lot. Now, Dave, do you take do you take a, a role in any of that or? Do you get to? I have at that? times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, for the most part, I do do like uh, most of the computer graphic kind of stuff for the goats. Like so, like for tour posters and and you know things like that. I'll kind of handle that. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of fluctuated throughout the history of the band. Like who kind of who's taken over that role? But for the most part, it's been John. You know, has done you know eighty to ninety percent of everything. Um, and we do have a manager. That helps. That helps a, a good bit now as well, um, but it definitely is one of the challenges of uh, of being a professional musician in today's in today's world. It's 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 interesting. It's definitely different than it was back in the seventies. I think. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I had a conversation uh, a few months ago with uh, Steve Eaton, who's local, right, totally, yeah, kind absolutely. of a Idaho legend, I guess. And he he talked about how the the record labels took care of a lot of that kind of stuff for mm-hmm. the for the artists back then. So right uh, now, you touched on this a little bit uh, earlier, but I want to kind of uh, kind of go back to the songwriting and 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 just the overall music. You guys have been uh, the band's been around for uh, close to a decade now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your first album in 2010. How how has the music evolved or changed? In, in in terms of the band uh, since then we've gotten better yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> better um i th- i think before oh wait, there's like just a lot more to work with these days i think before i was uh just writing out of necessity out of the whatever whatever came to mind and i was like oh yeah this is this is it this is this is this is brilliant this is the song and then the, now these days there's more of a selective process where i have more to draw from and um, I think learning to play back then, I just mainly play guitar and a little bit of bass, and learning to play other instruments as well as being able to to see the stage from all different angles has has helped me with the songwriting. Are are you a prolific writer, or do you really agonize over stuff? Or no, I'm, I'm I go through spurts, and I don't force it. And when the songwriting is is jamming up, then I'll go to poetry, and when the poetry's jamming up, I'll go to fiction. And I'm always writing something. Something's always in the editing process, and do you, do you set aside time then? Uh, is it specific time to write? Or I, I, I write every morning. I, I write three pages every morning. What whatever surfaces, usually it's poetry. Lately, it's just been lists of what I have to do that day. But whatever, it's 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 my moment of clarity. And uh, yeah, it's, I can just get my head straight and figure out what I'm my tasks for the day, or or if a sweet poem arises. And 
Maybe that's what I, maybe that's what the world needs. I'm, I'm waiting for the first book of either poetry or or fiction made constructed completely from lists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, could, that could be something different. Yeah, uh, recently I wrote a poem about lists. So well, there you go. It's, it's a start. It's pretty yeah, heavy. The first, <laughs> the first, the poem, first poem in the book. As part of all of that, you guys have done your share of touring over to, over that time. Um, what are the challenges for you as far as balancing that with what most people consider an everyday life or a normal life, or or, or do you do you think about that at all? I think about it. <laughs> I think about it a lot, actually. Um, some of my first jobs were seasonal work, where I was a wilderness instructor, or I was a, a river guide, and then you know you'd work a few months out of the year and then you'd be off a few months and you'd work a few months and definitely never having that nine to five lifestyle and um which has kind of continued I'm, I'm very lucky i have a job at boise rock school that's conducive to me touring they hired me because i'm a musician and so they understand when i say i need to take you know two weeks off for this tour and but still yeah i i wonder about nine to five people and how they do it and, and it terrifies me the uh the thought of that if of uh, yeah. So I feel very lucky to still kind of have this bohemian lifestyle. <laughs> so do you guys tend to do um, mini tours then, and, and just so you, you can break them up and balance them around that? Yeah, usually about every three months we do. You know, ten days to two weeks. Sometimes as far as three weeks. But yeah, trying to trying to make it a more methodical approach than just hey, let's go down California coast in a school bus and. And see what's out there. Yeah, <laughs> you guys already you guys already have several dates uh, lined up for 2019, which is uh, this will be the I think the second episode of of the new year. What else is on the horizon for you guys then in 2019? Um, a few things have been discussed. Looking at looking at a few festivals in the U.S. Um, wanting to get to Europe for a, a short tour. Yeah, um, that's that's been discussed as well so yeah just figuring out what what our next move is from there um i have a book of poetry my second book of poetry coming out now now dave do you also have a job that that gives you that kind of flexibility or will you have to kind of yeah to the for the most part so probably a little less flexible and slightly less understanding than john's job but they are i mean you know they are fairly i work at edgeburn co so um and the GM there, he's really, you know, he understands. And when I when I signed up for the job, I basically kind of, you know, told him that we were going to be doing those kind of mini tours. So, um, to you know, and he was like, I think we can handle that. So, and I imagine it works that's out. I imagine that's part of the challenge in in scheduling these things is trying to work around everybody's other. Well, Steve, we don't have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, 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 Steve always lives like a vagabond. Yeah, so he. Uh, He's ready to go on tour at any, any given point. There's room, drop of the hat. there's room in his schedule. Yeah, drop of the hat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there, I mean, there always is scheduling. You know, uh, you know, there's constant emails that we send or and texts that we send back and forth, trying to figure out even a date in McCall or like two or three dates in McCall or whatever. You know, and playing. You know, so there's you know, it's constant. Like, are you available? Is can we do this? Like, is you know, so that kind of logistics is is a big part of it for sure. And I. I I'll direct this to both of you, uh, since you you guys have been together since the beginning. Um, most memorable performing or, or recording experience that you guys have had in the band? 
Anything stand out? Uh, well, for the recording experience, definitely recording Steve's song was kind of an unplanned, spontaneous deal where well, we weren't planning on me playing drums on that track, and we kind of just recorded it live. And engineer, we were playing around the studio. Engineer liked what he was heard, like like what he was hearing, and press record, and we did it. Yeah. And music magic was made. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we've had it, I was at the Tonic Room, which yeah. is uh, Jason Ringelsletter, and uh, yeah, we had we've had really good times there recording. That has definitely been a good experience. Uh, I'm trying to think of a live performance that really sticks out in my mind. Maybe like our second CD release that we did at the Vac. Yeah, that was that was pretty. We epic. like almost it was almost sold out, and it was just like everybody that we'd known and met over the last you know five years, and that was pretty fun. Well, <laughs> I'm 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 starting to wind down as far as my list of questions. Yeah. What else should people know about the band? Do you think we're really good guys and we're not mean <laughs> or crazy? <laughs> that's that's always that's always a, a good sign. Uh, <laughs> What what? Well, let me ask you this: If 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 and when people come out to see one of your performances, uh, what can they expect to experience? The truth. No, <laughs> I think that's yeah. what they can expect. They can expect a very honest performance. Yeah, you know? I agree. I agree. High energy, honest performance. Okay. Of, Original music, original heartfelt music. Now, do you guys do any covers then, or you do all all we of your do. Own stuff? We do. We do a few tasty covers okay. to Dave's reluctance sometimes, but <laughs> sometimes you need to throw some hollow notes in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm all, I don't know why, but all of a sudden the hollow note song "Man Eater" came yep. into mind. I'm trying That's to. It. That's I was trying one. to envision <laughs> that one. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm assuming not, not we. Favorite. I'm assuming we won't hear that one. Uh, but uh, why don't we hear one last song? Uh, okay. What are you gonna do? Uh, either since the lonely or stay too long. How are you feeling? Dude, let's, you just stay too long. I think. All right. If I stay too long. If she stayed with me We both know it would come from the mess Oh, it's best stay away from me Oh, it's been 
us just to say goodnight Get in his sleep. See me laying in the gutter with Edgar Poe. Searching for reason like Henry Thoreau. Said, I don't know where you've been to, but I know where you are. Before you stood before me, had to check with him style to make sure your tarot cards are reading what you think. Before that ship you're sailing is a starting to sink. Thanks to Jonathan Warren and Dave Sather-Smith. You'll find links to the band's website and social media pages on our webpage at measured-voices.blogspot.com. In episode 25, I'll sit down with a true musical jack of all trades, Timothy P. Swanson. I'm Walt Huntsman. Join me next time for another edition of Measured Voices.